to the Driven by Diversity podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Steph. And every week we shine the spotlight on underrepresented groups in the world of racing. Our guests share their journey into the sport and also delve into what diversity and inclusion means to them. We hope that we can provide you with real role models who you can relate to and who represent you. And more than that, that you'll feel inspired and encouraged to know that you can make it in motorsport, no matter your background. Taking to the track in the Praga for the 2021 Brick Car Endurance Championship following a successful career to date. This isn't our only guest on the podcast who first caught the racing bug at a friend's karting party. Creating valuable relationships and building a strong network is something he prides himself on, which in recent years led him to become a works driver for sports prototype team Spire Sports Cars. In this conversation, he candidly shares with us how it had been harder for him to be open about his sexuality in motorsport than in other areas of his life, horrifically even at one point having had homophobic abuse written on his cart in permanent marker. Committed to championing the LGBTQ plus community both on and off the track, in 2019 he co-founded the innovative movement and network Racing Pride, which strives to promote inclusivity within motorsport. Representing the LGBTQ plus community, today you'll be listening to our chat with Richard Morris. So thank you for joining us, Richard. Now, your motorsport career actually started back in 2004 in karting, but what first sparked your interest in motorsport? Was it a family interest or did you come from a background of motorsport? Or what was it that actually first sparked it? Well, I was always fascinated with cars, even when I was little, uh, probably because of the influence of my dad watching a lot of motorsport. He used to watch the Formula One avidly and so on. And I guess that rubbed off on me. But I remember pushing racing cars around the floor of my grandma's house and stuff like that when I was a toddler. So, yeah, I'd always had a passion for it, you could say. Great. And what were the steps that you took up to your present day now? Can you talk us through your career up from those karting years to today? Yeah, definitely. So it started uh, very simply just by going to a friend's karting birthday party. Um, And I was very keen for this, very excited about it beforehand. And uh, it was my first time I'd ever driven anything at all. Uh, and there was just an indoor kart track and uh, it went well and I set the fastest lap and I was really happy with myself and I just kept going back and trying to get a little bit better and on these corporate circuits that anyone can go along to and then after sort of 18 months or so I started pressuring my dad saying I want to do this more seriously and he bought me a cart essentially we had a couple of tests with a team and then he bought me a cart and we just started racing at the local club circuit built it up to racing in british championship karting after a couple of years progressed senior karting gearbox karting to the 250 gearbox carts which are incredible machines and still give you a thrill that i've never felt anywhere (laughs) else in terms of they are brutal they have Uh, you're completely connected to the track. There's nothing between you and it, really. It's all so mechanical and uh, no suspension and not really even any bodywork. So it's kind of as raw as it gets. Um, And I raced in those uh, for a few years and then decided really that... um, Well, I'd raced the fastest carts in the world. I felt like I'd done what I was going to do with them. And I wanted to move on and see what I could do in car racing. So 
I stepped into Formula Ford single seaters in 2018 at the Castle Coombe Championship, which is a great club championship and I think is a great place to start. Uh, it was also more or less the only way I could afford to go into car racing. So <laughs> I started out there and it went well. And I qualified on pole position for my first ever race. And the second race I got wow. on the podium and the third race I won. <laughs> so uh, it that's was a good start. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a good start. And it obviously you start to build confidence and so on. And then the next year in, um, sorry, that must have been uh, 2017. The next year in 2018, I then stepped up into national championship Formula Ford racing, which was a big step uh, going to lots of different circuits. And uh, to be honest, we didn't really have the money to be doing it. I didn't do enough testing and any of that. Um, but I seemed to model along and I picked up some wins in the wet and that kind of thing um, where the testing didn't matter so much. Um, and I ended up coming runner up in the national championship in that, even though I missed a few rounds because I couldn't afford them. So you were allowed to drop some scores at the end of the season. And that kind of saved me. And, and I finished runner up in that. And really, that's when sort of everything changed um, because I had a test with a sports prototype team, Spire Sports Cars, at the end of 2018. Uh, I'd seen them at the Autosport show the year before and I would kept badgering them like your car looks awesome. I want to have a go in this car. Um, and uh, I kept phoning them up through the season about in the summer. They'd said to me, oh, well, our works driver is going to leave at the end of this year. So we are looking for a driver. I'd been to see a meeting and I yeah, kept putting the pressure on. And in November 2018, they gave me a test in the car. Um, it was a half dry, half wet day, but in the dry morning session, the end of the morning, I'd done a lap time that would have put me on the front row at the race there that year. And um, the team said, oh, well, you clearly, you know, settled in really quickly. You've only had like three runs and you're already doing those kind of times and mm -hmm. uh, gave me the opportunity to be works driver for them for, um, for the next season. And that changed everything, as I say, because for the first time in my career, I'd not have to worry about the budget or having the right yeah. team or those sorts of things. And I just had the opportunity to drive the car and just to think about bringing the performance. Uh, and I ended up racing with Spire in 2019 and 2020, although 2020 was very disrupted. Uh, and it was a dream, really. Uh, we uh, did 15 doubleheader race meetings, sorry, 11 doubleheader race meetings together. And I got 15 podiums out of those 11 meetings. Wow. Um, so That's impressive. It was a good combination. It was a great time. I had a lot of fun. You know, 2020, as I say, it's a shame it was so disrupted because the car was really mega. Uh, and that was four events in 2020. And we took three wins and a lap record and four fastest laps. So uh, it really was great. And, and I'm so grateful for the team for the opportunity they gave me in those two years. And it's led to what I'm doing now, which is uh, racing the incredible new Praga R1 in the Brit Car Endurance Championship uh, with somebody that I met racing Sports 1000 when I was driving for Spire. Uh, with, in fact, one of my biggest rivals from the series who drove for the rival team, uh, Chippy Wesemail, who's a fantastic driver. He raced and won in British GT um, last year, and he's someone I respect a lot, and I think he respects me. <laughs> <laughs> and we get on quite well anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. The Progro One's a fantastic car. 
loads of downforce, crazy amounts of power from a Formula Renault engine in a really lightweight carbon fiber prototype car. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Wow, that sounds mega. That sounds like you've had quite a successful career so far, which is brilliant. And do you know, I also love as well that you mentioned that you started your karting career from going to a birthday party, because that brings us right back actually to one of our very first episodes with Naomi Schiff. And she did exactly the same thing, went to a, a birthday party, karting birthday party as a kid and, and loved it. So very similar to you there. That sounds amazing. And also good on you for badgering as well towards the end there um, and getting getting that drive. It definitely paid off. Sort of linking to that, I guess, ha- has there been throughout your career so far a sort of defining moment or sort of important person that's really been able to form you into how you are now? Or has there been an inspiring or defining moment for you? Yeah, so uh, I think like a lot of people, uh, one of the key figures in my racing career has been my dad. He's been there from the start. So, of course, I have to mention him and uh, the vast majority of my career, it's been him uh, supporting it financially as well as being there (laughs) and mechanicking my cart when I was in cart racing. uh, And he's still always there. Um, I mean, I think I've had several sort of big moments and I think also connected really to moments where it could have gone wrong. Mm. Um, I think uh, particularly if you're trying to make a career in driving, um, there are going to be times when you don't even know if you're ever going to race again. Um, And that's why I see that sort of test with Spa is so transformational because we didn't have the budget to carry on racing uh, Formula Ford British Championship we'd barely had the budget to race it that year. Um, and I needed something to happen then. Um, mm. And I just found the right person who was also looking for a driver at the right time. But as you say, I think key to that was being proactive and uh, trying to search out that opportunity and trying to keep the connections. Um, and that just came from, yeah, going around paddocks, going around motoring shows, trying to see who had interesting cars and where there might be a chance. Um, and then, of course, you remember all the great moments that you've had in your career. You know, the first of everything is always special, um, particularly, I think, my first win in car racing in the Formula Ford, because um, that felt like a massive step. I mean, winning in karting is great, um, but car racing is I don't want to disparage karting in any way, but it feels like the full fat version. You know, it's <laughs> it's what I dreamt of doing uh, was car racing. And uh, and it had felt like a gamble because I'd been really successful in the 250 gearbox carts. I'd been a regular front runner. I knew I could compete at that. And then doing single seaters was something very different. So it was a massive affirmation to get that first win in, in single seaters. And um, it also came in really unlikely circumstances because it was heavy rain, absolute monsoon conditions. And I'd never driven the car in the wet before. Um, and wow. I'd qualified on pole in the dry, but I knew that wasn't going to mean <laughs> anything, you know, if it started raining. So I was nervous as anything before the race. Um, and predictably the first half of the race I'd just been finding my way and so on but then I started to really gel with the car from sort of half distance I think I I was in third or fourth at that point and then just I was like oh right okay so I can push it that bit harder here and so on I ended up taking the lead on the last corner of the last lap round the outside and it's probably one of the best moments I've ever had in racing (laughs) 
amazing you're so right though isn't it it's like the touch and go moments where it's either make or break it's either going to happen or it's not where they really do stick with you and become those defining moments that's fab to hear all of those all those moments there that you picked out budget aside what would be your ultimate career goal uh i mean i would absolutely love to race at Le Mans one day in 24 hours of Le Mans uh it's the pinnacle for sports prototype and GT racing I love prototype cars I love GT cars I'd love to keep advancing with them and as I say that is the pinnacle so if there is sort of a dream event or a dream race I'd like to be part of it's very much that um although as I say I think I've always tried to take quite a realistic view of my racing career as a whole. And I haven't really been one of those drivers who from the start has said, I want to do this event or this series or this car. I've always just wanted to do racing. Um, And I feel incredibly lucky that I've had the chance to do racing and the Praga, if that ends up being the pinnacle, that's amazing. I've had a phenomenal time racing. But also, I just don't want to be too dogmatic about where the next move has to be. I love driving things. Um, There are loads of cars that I find fast and exciting, and I'll go where the opportunity is, basically. That's a good mindset to have, and it it keeps you excited about every different step that you take, and it makes you remember why you're there primarily, which is the enjoyment and, and the fun that you get out of racing the cars. You spoke earlier about your proactiveness when it came to sponsorship and the fact that at some point you weren't sure whether you would actually be able to continue because of the funding aspect. For other people who might be following sort of in the footsteps that you've taken and have those similar sort of concerns, what tips and advice would you give them? Obviously, you've said, you know, speaking to lots of people at the paddock and just searching out where opportunities might be. But is there anything else that you did to make yourself stand out except for just being really good on the track, obviously? (laughs) (laughs) Are there any other bits that you would advise? Yeah, I think uh, you've got to be bringing value to everyone that you interact with in racing. And that obviously includes bringing value to the team in terms of the way that you drive the car and the performances you put in. And more broadly around the team, I think it's really important that you're not just thinking about um, sponsors and people bringing money, but you're building those relationships um with the team you're always giving the most constructive feedback possible you're being positive you're someone people want in their team because of that um that you're building constructive relationships with other drivers and other people you meet in the paddock because that's a big part of the Praga opportunity that's come along is the positive relationship I built up with a rival who then spoke to me halfway through last season going look if you're looking for the next move I think you should come with me into Praga you know I can talk and see if we can make this happen Um, and just everything you do around your racing, you've got to be thinking about what am I adding? So when you do interviews, talk to people, be genuine, build relationships with the interviewers. Like I hope I'm managing to do, Uh, (laughs) build a relationship with the audience, you know, be interesting, be someone that people want to be around and be involved with. And if you do get sponsorship, it's not just them handing you money for you to go and drive the car. You've got to think about what you're bringing to that sponsor and do everything you can to make sure that you're rewarding them for giving you the amazing opportunity to do what you love uh, and never take that for granted. That's really important because I think that often some people do get a bit clouded by the fact that they just need the funding to keep going. But it is so much more than that. It's a relationship that you're building and you do want to be working with sponsors that share similar values to you. Otherwise, ultimately, it's going to come to 
it's going to come to an end. It's going to come to a bit of a bitter end, I imagine, as well. So, yeah, that's a good tip there on building meaningful relationships as opposed to transactional ones. Looking back at your career, obviously, we spoke about some of the highlights, which sound amazing, and you're obviously beaming talking about them. But what are some of the more challenging parts that you've had? Because I imagine that it's not all been it's not all been ups, of course. So what are some of the more difficult things that you've experienced? Yeah, it's uh, certainly certainly not always been easy. Um, I was having a little think about this uh, earlier, and I think actually one of the hardest moments for me was uh, in my first year of um, Formula Ford racing. I had this rivalry going with one of the other drivers particularly, and um, realistically it was one or other of us was going to win all of the races. Um, and after I'd got my first couple of wins, uh, and I'd started setting lots of fastest laps and stuff. Um, I think he realized that the, there was sometimes only one way to stop me. And, um, there was a race where I was in second and I made a move for the lead. I went up the inside, uh, of his car and he chopped across the track, didn't leave me any space, broke the suspension on the car. Um, and I went into the barrier and that was the end of my race. Um, and I mean, I know that sounds like a little bit of a sob story. I'm sure you'll say, oh, well, you know, maybe he had a different version of that. But <laughs> the emotional impact on me from that was actually quite profound because in karting, like you have a bump, you just carry on, you know, the body works that it doesn't really do anything. And this one, you know, I felt like, um, Firstly, there was just the impact on the team and on, you know, the funding aspects of the damage cost and feeling like I let the team down and feeling like I let down the people who come to support me that day because I'd had a DNF and it was all a lot more sort of serious feeling in car racing. But also it just kind of disillusioned me a bit that from my perspective of how I go about the sport, I wouldn't want to win like that. You know, I, mm -hmm. I'd only want to win if I'd been the best driver and if I deserved it and if I'd done it fairly. And then someone had done something that, okay, it was their only chance of winning, but that was by cheating and hitting me off the circuit. And I actually, I really remember for about two weeks after that, feeling really down continuously of like, how can someone behave that way towards somebody else? How can they inflict that on someone else? Um, but actually, I think... It was, in the end, quite a good sort of experience because it made me decide, right, well, you know, you've got two choices. You can either be like that or you can stay true to sort of how you want to win. And, but if you, you've got to realise if you want to drive that way, if you want to be fair and clean, you can't force everyone else to be that way. It's a decision you've taken to be like that. Um, and it also, I think, was good for me in the longer run because it's... Uh, made me realize that these sorts of things do happen on the track and you've got to be a bit more canny and a bit more wary and a bit less naive. Uh, and I think it toughened me up for some sort of future events. So, yeah, I think uh, obviously there are moments where you run out of money that are difficult. There are moments where you don't know if you're going to carry on that are difficult. But I think in terms of the sporting psychology, that was one of the hardest ones I have had to deal with. It was the first time I felt cheated uh, and mm. kind of how you react to that. Yeah, that's quite a big lesson to learn and a difficult one to actually come to terms with, I, I imagine, because like you said, it's that realisation that not everyone 
plays the same as you necessarily and it's completely out of your control how those people on the track with you behave and all you can do is like you said stay true to yourself and race how you feel is right and true to your values that's an interesting one actually we've not had a challenging moment like that before I quite like having something a bit different we often hear about like the funding and stuff like that but that's quite a nice take on it even though it's a challenging (laughs) moment (laughs) do you know what I like about it as well that it shows how motorsport can build you to be resilient as well so absolutely you you can gain all of these skills from from motorsport it's not just the highs and the winning and and all of that you do actually gain transferable skills out of it that you can apply to life generally as well Mm -hmm. yeah the psychology side of it that's super interesting moving on a bit to other aspects of your racing career obviously as we've heard you've had a very exciting career on the track but you're also a co-founder and driver ambassador for Racing Pride. So how did this come to fruition? And can you tell us what it is about this initiative that excites you so much? So Racing Pride is, uh, for those who don't know, uh, really the first ever movement to positively promote LGBTQ plus inclusion through motorsports um, as broadly as possible, involving as many series as possible, involving a range of ambassadors across different roles and really trying to bring the sport together to be more inclusive for LGBTQ plus people. Um, it started as a lot of these things start, like my racing career, very small. Um, and it was, for me, watching a Formula One Grand Prix uh, in November 2018, um, which is Rainbow Laces month when Stonewall in the UK does its big Rainbow Laces activations across sports. And that weekend I'd watched rugby and I'd watched football and both of those sports really did a lot for promoting inclusion around Rainbow Laces. And Formula One wasn't doing anything. And I thought, you know, this feels a little bit wrong. And I thought, well, have you ever seen any sort of movement for promoting LGBTQ plus people in motorsport? And I hadn't. Uh, And I thought it came at a, a time when I was thinking about my career as well, because of course I just had this test with Spire and I'd just signed to race with them the next season. And I was starting to feel more secure in my career. Um, And I thought, well, I want to do this on my own terms and I want to start feeling comfortable about being gay in this sport rather than it being something that I hide. And so it started very, very simply with me putting a picture on my Instagram account with uh, me and my boyfriend and saying it's not always been that easy to be gay in motorsport and it's great to see rainbow laces across all these other sports I hope one day we can have something similar in motorsport and that got picked up by the uh, editor for the Sky Sports Rainbow Laces coverage and we started messaging and he said actually he'd been speaking with another guy in motorsport who was interested in doing something. He turned out to be Christopher Sharp, who's the co-founder with me of Racing Pride. He was an Autosport Academy journalist. Uh, And he started putting us together and we started talking about ideas. And then we had a meeting at Stonewall and we started bringing other people in. uh, And it just grew into us realizing we had a group of people in different roles in the sport who could start to create visibility for LGBTQ plus people who could start to use their platforms to really have those conversations that hadn't been had before in the sports uh, and try and inspire people really to just embrace who they are within motorsport. That's really good that there is such an initiative like Racing Pride because 
as you say, it's really strange that you have all of these other sports on global stages that are doing so much to support LGBTQ plus initiatives in, in the community. But in motorsport, there doesn't seem to be so much of that. And it's it's really strange, isn't it? So it's really good that you've put this initiative together and there are so many people that are there to support it, so many allies. And that's really great to see because you mentioned the word exposure there as well. And that's something that we talk about time and time again on this podcast because that's so important, not just for people to feel like they're, they've been seen, but also for others to learn as well and to take that forward so that's that's really good where there looking back at your career were there any particular moments where you felt that there was a specific need for initiatives such as racing pride yeah so um in general it was harder for me to be gay in motorsport than in other aspects of my life and that had pretty much been true throughout my experience of the sports and there were a number of reasons for that, some of which um, were because of direct discrimination. Um, Very rarely though. Um, A lot more of it was due to my own perception of how people might be if I came out. Um, So in terms of any direct discrimination towards me, there were one or two incidents where, for instance, when I was in kart racing, um, somebody put homophobic abuse on my kart before the start of a race day, um, written in permanent marker on the graphics. Um, and that was very difficult, not least because my dad was there and I wasn't out to my dad and I had no idea how to react to this. Mm. And because I'd only spoken about being gay with very few people and it felt like quite a big betrayal. Um, there was a lot more casual homophobia around the place just the use of homophobic language uh, people not thinking about what they're saying saying things that associate being gay with being weak or being effeminate Mm. or being a bit useless Uh, and having heard that around the paddock made me think oh maybe I can't come out here you know this isn't going to be the place and in general I think as a racing driver you're quite um, not necessarily insecure but you worry about anything that might be a disadvantage in any way Uh, And you worry that if people won't fully accept you for being who you are, they might not give you that drive and they might not give you that sponsorship or they might not think that you're going to be as good on track or your competitor might try and take advantage in some way. So you get into that kind of complex as well, which doesn't necessarily help. And I hadn't seen any examples of LGBTQ plus people around me in motorsport to show that it was going to be okay. I hadn't... Mm got anyone to look to or to see how people had received them and so it felt like quite a leap to be the first one that I knew to come out yeah absolutely as you just said that there there isn't there aren't many examples of people from the LGBTQ plus community that are drivers like specifically racers and that must be really hard because as you say you don't have the people to look up to to see you know how it's been done or how it's been received and how they've sort of made their way through the industry you touched on perhaps some of the reasons why there is a lack of representation but can you just expand on on that a bit more why you think there is such a lack of representation from the community within the motorsport industry as a whole you know is it because people don't feel comfortable with it or is it because there there are other barriers there yeah so I, I think uh 
lack of representation has been a big issue, but also allied to the particular way that motorsport has evolved its image historically. I think it's moving away from it now, but a lot of the marketing of motorsport, even when I was young, even when I was in the sport already, going to things like the Autosport Show, which is obviously the biggest motorsport show there is. I remember as a kid, the only... Uh, women I'd see around even were scantily clad and draped across cars mm. um, and it was marketed to appeal to a specific type of person and I felt like that wasn't compatible with being a gay man um, it wasn't marketed to me so was it for me and I think that's one of the big challenges um, you also whenever you're trying to make a success of any type of career you try to emulate successful people and the only examples I had um, were either people who were extremely macho or at least people uh, like my idols, Michael Schumacher. I remember him getting out of the car and kissing his wife after winning a world championship uh, or even ones who just don't say anything about their private lives. But I didn't have any positive example of, oh, here's, here's someone like me uh, who's doing well. And I think that was a, a big barrier. I think there are a lot more LGBTQ plus people in the sport uh, than people realize and uh, mm -hmm. I started finding once I founded Racing Pride that there were LGBTQ plus people in lots of positions in motorsport doing lots of amazing things but they just hadn't sort of spoken about it before or there hadn't been an avenue for them to speak about it before. That's interesting that you touched on the history of motorsport it shows how deep rooted the issue is um, and how much there is to now unpack in order to make it an environment that is welcoming and where people feel safe to be themselves because that's obviously a big factor of it as well what did you find the response was when you did come out when you said you did the instagram post what did you find the response was and since that as well obviously since you've founded racing pride and and started doing work through racing pride have you found it's been a welcoming environment has it been a positive response or have you found there have been challenges with that as well so overwhelmingly, it has been extremely positive since I've co-founded Racing Pride um, and since I came out myself. Mm -hmm. uh, the vast majority of people have been, yeah, really welcoming. And a lot of people have said, oh, this has helped me too and have approached me. And that's been wonderful. There were, of course, a few people when I posted about this for the first time who unfollowed me um, and there have been some messages to Racing Pride and responses to things we've done but the vast majority of people have been really supportive um, and I remember being struck I raced a week or so after we launched Racing Pride at Anglesey Circuit uh, with the Sport 1000 Championship and the organizers were giving out racing pride stickers for anyone who wanted to put them on their cars. Um, and almost everyone in the whole field picked up one of these stickers and put it on their cars. And it was an amazing sort of display of solidarity. I mean, some yeah. didn't obviously, and perhaps you wonder about that, but the point is the vast majority of people supported what we were doing. And I think that was crucial. I mean, some people might say, mm -hmm. well, then why was Racing Pride needed? If everyone was behind it, actually that shows everyone was accepting. But I think what people don't realize about being LGBTQ plus in a sport like this is um, in order to be yourself, in order to enjoy the sport equally like everyone else, you're going to have to come out in some way to the people around you. And you're not going to feel safe to do that unless you know that they are going to be supportive and they're going to be allies. 
I think what Racing Pride has done is give people a means of showing their support for LGBTQ plus people around them that they didn't have before. So I think it's been welcomed by allies in the sport because they now have a way of saying, yes, we want to be this inclusive sport. We don't want to be associated with perhaps images that were there in the past that uh, weren't diverse or welcoming. We now want to welcome everybody into our sport. And I think the best thing about Racing Pride is it's given an avenue to those people to do that. That is such an important point because it's not enough for people to just inside their head know that they're allies or know that they support diversity on XYZ front. That isn't enough People for people to feel comfortable from those underrepresented backgrounds. They need to see the active show of support so that they know that there's people out there who can be allies and they know that the support is out there because otherwise you know, you never know what the response is going to be. You don't, you don't know what everyone's thinking in their head, but it's, you're right. It's so helpful that you do have initiatives like Racing Pride that make it easier for people to stand up and be like, yeah, I am in support of this and I'm here and it's a welcoming environment and you can be yourself and be completely comfortable around me and, you know, wherever it is that you're racing. So yeah, hats off to, to Racing Pride. Sorry, Steph, go on. I think it's the the reassurance, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. because of what you said earlier, Richard, about how, you know, the history of motorsport, how it's typically, stereotypically been marketed towards a certain type of person. If that's what's always been in your head, how are you supposed to know that these other people aren't thinking the same thing? You know, like, as Ariana said, you do need to just be able to show it in some way so that, you know, people can feel, okay, I feel safe here. I'm, I'm welcomed here. It's absolutely fine. Nothing to worry about. Yeah. And I think uh, people can downplay what that's like, but um, when I was launching Racing Pride and I knew there was going to be a big feature about it in Autosport and Sky Sports in a few days time, I, uh, was very nervous about that and I left it pretty much as late as possible to phone the boss at Spire uh, and to tell him, oh, there's going to be a big double phase uh, spread featuring your car (laughs) and uh, this story. Um, And I was shaking, you know, before that call. I was so worried about what this would mean, even though I'd chosen to do this because I believed that they would be behind me. Uh, And in the end, they were massive. Well, I'll say in the end, immediately, they were very supportive of this. and that was great but I had no way of knowing that before I told them um, Mm. other than just my estimation of sort of their character Um, but now if I were to be a young driver looking to race in sports prototypes and Spy was one of the options well I could see how much they supported this Racing Pride initiative and know that they were going to be welcoming of me before I'd even had any interaction with them and I think that does create a massive difference for opening up the sport. Yeah, absolutely. That's really brilliant. And hopefully it does, hopefully the support and the initiatives like Racing Pride does give other people who are coming up through the ranks that reassurance, as Steph said, to be themselves and know that they'll be accepted um, in the environment. So that's that's what's most important. And everyone deserves to feel that they will be accepted and that they can be themselves. No one should have to shy away from who they truly are because of the industry that they're working in. That's just not right at all. So Hopefully that that is exactly the message that Racing Pride is is putting out there. And I, and I know that it is as well. <laughs> but touching on that a bit more, tell us a bit more about some of the projects that Racing Pride are working on at the moment and what sort of things we can look forward to seeing from Racing Pride. Yeah, so Racing Pride 
obviously has its ambassador program, which is great. And we have that visible representation on track and in other roles. And we're going to continue with that and have the uh, stories from those ambassadors there as examples for people. We have uh, also our Spotlight series, which highlights stories from beyond just our ambassadors and from all over the world of LGBTQ plus people in motorsports, talking to them about their experiences and what they're doing, whatever level they're at and whatever role they're doing in the sport. And we believe in that and we want to continue it. Uh, we also have our more educational kind of aspects of what Racing Pride does. And part of that is creating resources like the Racing Pride Ally Pack, which you can find on our website. It's a short document which gives you top tips of how to be a great ally to LGBTQ plus people around you. It helps you to understand the terminology a bit and just gives you some broad principles for how to be inclusive. We want to create more of those sorts of things. We hope that they're really helpful. We're also starting to work directly with organizations to give them the education to understand this aspect of inclusion, understand how they can communicate inclusively and understand how they can create uh, inclusive workplaces for their staff. And we're providing various uh, bits of training to different teams and organizations in the sport along those lines. Thank you to Richard for joining us. That was brilliant hearing all about his career on track and the amazing work that Racing Pride are doing. Some great advice there about the importance of building meaningful relationships within the industry. And he shared examples of how those relationships have helped him throughout his career. And also, as we said in the chat, it was particularly interesting to hear about the psychological aspect of racing and the challenges that that brings. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine the mental challenges that you might face as a driver can be incredibly grueling. It also links back to the conversation that we had with Nick Hamilton back in season one, one of our very first episodes, where he stressed the importance of mental strength and resilience in this sport. It's definitely an important point to bear in mind for any aspiring drivers out there. Absolutely. And of course, we have to mention the incredible work that Racing Pride are doing for the LGBTQ plus community and Rich's experience within the industry. Thankfully, similar to Devon, who we spoke to a few episodes ago, Richard has received a largely positive response, but of course, there is still work to do, and we can all do our bit to be better allies to the LGBTQ plus community. 100%. Linking to that, Richard did speak of all of the different projects that Racing Pride have going on, and you can check them out at racingpride.com. To follow what Richard himself is getting up to, you can find him at Richard Morris Racing on Instagram and Richard M Racing on Twitter. Also, don't forget to follow Racing Pride themselves at Racing Pride HQ on socials. As always, you'll find us on Instagram at We Are Driven by Diversity. That's all from us. Thank you for joining us week in, week out. And if you're new here, make sure to listen back to some of the other brilliant guests we've spoken to across season one and season two. 